everyone, welcome to Rare Maven, a series where we inspire and empower millennial black women by sharing the journey of those who are thriving in entrepreneurship while being transparent enough to acknowledge their own triumphs and tribulations. I'm your host, Karima Muhammad, and I created this series not only to chat about business and entrepreneurship, but also to share tips and talk about how we can have an impact on the communities around us. This is why I consider our guest today to be a Rare Maven. Deshonda Brown is a publicist, writer, mental health advocate, and the founder of Gold-Blooded Communications. Deshonda started out from humble beginnings in Brooklyn, New York, where she was engulfed in the arts, culture, and community. After graduating college, Deshonda launched Gold-Blooded Communications upon realizing that she had acquired all she needed to build her own empire. The goal of her company is to promote an understanding and highlight positive representations of millennial artists of color in music, entertainment, and lifestyle brands. Some of her clients include rapper Mulatto from the hit series The Rap Game, reality star Chinese Kitty, and one of our most beloved rare mavens, Alicia Reese. Deshonda also has her own blog called Sign Shonda, and she's a freelance writer for publications including Blavity, Exo Nicole, and Hello Beautiful. In 2019, she became Mental Health First Aid Certified for Adults and Children and graduated from the Advocacy Ambassador Program by National Alliance on Mental Illness. She says she wants people to think of her as the bestie that they feel like they have when they can't talk to other people. Let's welcome Deshonda Brown. Welcome, Deshonda. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. I'm just just excited for all of our listeners to hear. Um, you're like a Renaissance woman, so I want them to hear about. <laughs> we just got to figure out all that you do, from your uh, agency that you have to your work in mental health advocacy, to your writing and speaking. Like, I just want to know how this all works, but we love it. And um, <laughs> I just can't wait for us to get into this conversation uh, about all that you do. Um, so to start off, I want to know where are you from and who was the first person to inspire you to be an entrepreneur? Ooh, let's see. Where am I from? I'm from Brooklyn, Bed-Stuy, born and raised over at okay. Sumner Projects, not too far from Marcy Projects. Mm-hmm. Um, Brooklyn has definitely inspired me to, you know, be a very tough woman, someone who always goes out to get what she wants because, you know, growing up in Bed-Stuy, when I grew up, before it was like all bakeries and nice stores and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I saw how bad style really was. Like, I saw people pushing drugs. I saw the same kids mm. doing the same things every single day. I saw all these things that I didn't want to be, so that helped me to push myself to be in a better place and mm-hmm. to provide for my family and the family that I eventually want to have. As far mm-hmm. as who inspired me to be an entrepreneur, um, I can't really pin it on one person because especially when I was growing up, I didn't have any entrepreneurs in my family, and I didn't really see that too much. I mm-hmm. think that for me, I always knew that I didn't belong in one box and I had mm. multiple passions. I like to write. I like to talk. I like to, you know, be out in the field. I like to tell stories. So I didn't think that there was one concrete um, one concrete solution for that. So what I did mm-hmm. is I created my my own lane 
And mm. when I had graduated college, I didn't have any job offers, which was a surprise mm. to me and everybody who knew me because I had stellar grades, I had good internships, I had great connections, but unfortunately, it wasn't in the cards for me to have a job right out of college. So yeah. what inspired me was that if I didn't have a lane to go into, I was just going to build my own. Nice, nice. Okay, so you were just inspired to just get it done regardless of whether or not someone was giving you the opportunity. You were going to find exactly. the opportunity to get it for yourself. That's beautiful. Thank that's you. that's powerful too. That's actually it's quite a lot of strength, I would say, and uh, <laughs> being fearless. And that's not as common at that age, especially like when you know you got have you have family saying, "Oh, you need to get a job," or da da da. You know, it's like yeah. to really just hone in on that and go for you at that time in your life. That's that's remarkable because I know Thank I was you. just in the fr- oh my god, what am I gonna do? <laughs> my life is I was scared out of my mind. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing. I was scared out of my mind. I didn't know okay. where to get clients from. I didn't know how to build rapport. But I think, you know, I'm a very I'm a very spiritual person. I believe that, you know, everything happened for a reason and God mm-hmm. allowed me to be in that sucky, non financially stable position when I first got out of college because my dad always says, When you're hungry you'll start to look for food. And that's mm. what made me, like, really want to work harder and to be the best entrepreneur I could be because I didn't have any money. I mm. didn't have any clients. I was basically starting out from scratch, so I had to build myself up. All right. Um, so I have a trivia question. Um, so I'd like to know, would you rather um, open up for, like, Oprah's tour, you know, that she has where she goes out to different cities um, where you basically focus on mental health advocacy? Or would you rather um, write a book about the use of, like, music and arts and media as a form of therapy? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, Both are obviously, like, very important to me where it comes to the correlation between music and youth and obviously speaking amongst and mental health they're they're very like powerful for me. But I feel like if I had a choice mm-hmm. I would probably write a book. Specifically mm-hmm. because I was an English major back at college mm-hmm. and for me books have served as more of a guide for me and more like a world that I can transform myself into as Mm. opposed to watching somebody speak. I feel like the difference between having a tangible book in front of you and somebody speaking is that when that person speaks, maybe you'll find it on YouTube and that's it. But Mm -hmm. I feel like when you have a book in front of you, there's something about it that allows you to transfer yourself into the world that's being um, that's being construed for you mm-hmm. and allows you to go back and refer to it and take notes. And I feel like books yeah. live longer. So I, mm-hmm. I would probably write a book. Nice. I love that. Oh, my God. I got to write that down. Books live longer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah. I like that perspective. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Um, so tell us, what is Gold-Blooded Communications? Gold Blooded Communications is my child. It is what got me to where I am today. It is a small boutique public relations and social media management agency that focuses on underserved and disenfranchised communities, specifically minorities and specifically anybody who is a millennial or Gen Z, so anybody below the age of 35. Mm -hmm. I like to make sure that I represent the underdog because especially as 
children and children of color and people who are out here trying to do their thing, kids are oftentimes labeled as people who are, you know, microwave superstars. Like they just wake up one day and the fame is there. Mm-hmm. I feel like the people that I work with, even though they are young, like maybe I've worked with 15-year-olds, I've worked with 35-year-olds, I've worked with everybody in the Gen Z and millennial type of range. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that they are actually putting in the work to be where they want to be and to make sure that the community sees that as well, that these kids aren't just singers and rappers and stuff like that. I want people to actually see their work ethic. I want people to get mm-hmm. to know them. So I do that through media training, through bio reconstruction, through the people that I strategically put them in front of when it comes to the mm-hmm. media. Like, So yeah. I've worked with actors and actresses. I've worked with mm-hmm. luxury brands. I've worked with beauty brands. I've worked with hair brands. That's beautiful. And what um, I feel like you almost touched on it a little, but I wanted to know like, what was that eureka moment for you? Like when did you say, like, I'm going to start it? And I and I think I know from, like, the college experience, but could you, like, just dive, like, deeper into, like, when did you, like, say, like, all right, this is time. Like, I'm going to, going to do this. I think that Eureka moment was I had graduated college early. Instead of graduating in May 2017, I graduated in December 2016. Mm-hmm. And I actually graduated the day of my birthday. Mm-hmm. I had... My birthday's on December 12th. I graduated December 11th, and mm-hmm. I was in Seattle for a few days before my birthday because I had mm-hmm. taken my midterms, my midterms, my finals mm-hmm. early, and I was flown out to Seattle to do an interview mm-hmm. with Microsoft. That mm-hmm. was like that was my dream job at the time. I was like, oh my god, if I could work for Microsoft, that would be great. This would be wonderful. I went back to Atlanta, stayed with my friends, celebrated my 21st birthday, and on my way to my dad's house, who lives in Virginia. I had received the email that I didn't get the job. Mm. I was devastated, to say the very least. My world was over because I had been told no, but this Mm -hmm. was a different type of no because this was the yes that I really wanted. Yeah. So I soaked at my dad's house for a couple days, and then I went back to North Carolina where my mom lives because they're, they're not together. And I remember just sitting in front of my laptop in my room applying for a billion and five jobs on LinkedIn, Monster, Indeed, like, oh, my God, something has to give. Oh, my God, everybody's mm-hmm. going to tell me no. And then I said to myself, self, myself said, hmm. I said, why are you waiting for a job when you can just create one on your own? Like, you have mm-hmm. the skill set. You mm-hmm. have the knowledge. You have the drive. Why are you waiting for somebody else to tell you yes when you've been telling yourself yes this entire time? I was just tired of being told no when I do that. I was the one person in my life that would always give myself a yes. Nice. Beautiful. I love that. All right. Um, let's get into it. So what do you feel like were some of your challenges in starting your business? Um, I think that one of my challenges was, um, ooh, my biggest challenge was keeping myself in check and holding myself mm. accountable. I was just under, I wasn't under the impression that it was going to be easy, but I also didn't know that it was going to be as hard as it was because there would be some really good months where mm-hmm. I would have like five, six clients at a time paying me really well. And mm-hmm. then there would be months where it's like all of my clients dropped off but one and that one wasn't paying me as much. And there's going to be times where life sucks, but I have to keep going, especially if I want it that badly. Yeah. And on the hand of accountability, because I didn't have a standard nine to five, because I don't have a standard nine to five, being able to set that schedule that, yeah. you know, okay, Saturdays and Sundays, I'm definitely not going to work. 
or yeah. Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays will be my half days, and I just work my ass off on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So mm-hmm. setting that schedule for myself because it's very easy to feel like you're on spring break all the time. Yep. When yep. in fact you're not. <laughs> it's very easy to <laughs> yep. It's very easy to wake up one day and be like, you know what, I'm gonna do nothing, and then you realize you mm-hmm. have like three status reports due and five social media plans and you have all this stuff to do, but it's just easy to lose track of time, especially yeah. when you're first starting out as an entrepreneur, all of your days start to blend together. So mm-hmm. holding myself accountable, knowing what I can and cannot handle, setting a set schedule for myself and sticking to it, and running my business as though it's actually a business. So holding mm-hmm. yourself accountable is definitely one of the larger challenges of entrepreneurship. Yeah, and that's one of the most overlooked ones sometimes. People mm-hmm. think that it's the time management, the time management. So that comes from holding yourself accountable and also being disciplined. Like, but that goes hand in hand with accountability. So. Yeah, time management is, is hard. I would suggest to anybody who's listening to this to get a planner or my best friend just put me on to, um, well, not put me on. Yes, she did because it's always been there, but I just never did it. Um, mm-hmm. Your eye calendar that's what she lives and swears by. She mm-hmm. puts all of her events in her phone and her calendar, and then she'll know when to leave her house. And I never thought to do it because I'm very old school. I like to write stuff down on, like, mm-hmm. notepads and papers and stuff like that. But anything that reminds you of where you have to be when you have to be there is mm-hmm. definitely helpful, whether it's a notepad, whether it's a planner, whether it's an affirmations book, whether it, whatever it is, just Mm-hmm. Do something to keep yourself on your toes. That would be a great tip. Um, so going into that, so you could probably do two more tips then. So I usually do three, like one in business, one in life, and I would say one in, um, like, PR, since that's your industry, and for anybody who would want to hear um, that. Um, but, I mean, if you want to do another biz tip, you can. Um, so it's usually one for each. So one in business, one in life, and then one in PR. Hmm. Okay, I'll I'll do it in that order. Um, as far as business and entrepreneurship, my tip to you guys is, guys, girls, anybody who's listening, just make sure that you are pouring into yourself just as much as you're pouring into other people. As entrepreneurs, it's it's very easy to, you know, get wrapped up in the life of your clients and wrapped up in the life of everybody on your team. But if you're not pouring into your personal brand and you're building other people's brands aside from your own, don't get me wrong, you'll you'll get referrals and you'll get mm-hmm. a lot of great stuff. But if you're not working on who you are as a brand and your company and you're just getting account by account by account, mm-hmm. are you really growing your business? Like mm-hmm. Take time to really build your personal brand as far as business and entrepreneurship just as much as your doing it with others. As far as your personal life, take breaks. Mm. And I'm I'm telling this to anybody who is anything like me and is a workaholic. Mm-hmm. You love to sit in front of you. It's not that you love to sit in front of your computer, but once you start working, you mm-hmm. don't stop. Mm-hmm. And you oftentimes lose track of time or your social life suffers or your mental health suffers. Put yourself first and it's okay to take breaks. It's okay to say no <laughs> to that project. It's okay to say no to going out sometimes. There are often mm-hmm. times where my friends invite me out, and it's not because I have to stay home and work on a project. It's because I'm depleted mentally yeah. and emotionally yeah. and spiritually. I just need to I need to take a second to decompress. 
Mm-hmm. It's okay to say no. Allow no to be your best friend. No mm-hmm. and I are very close. I say no, nah, <laughs> hell no, I'm good, I'm straight. Be comfortable with saying no and allowing yourself to take breaks and really work on yourself. And as far as PR, not every account is going to be a win. Mm. And I have learned that the hard way. And sometimes it's just not you. A lot of the times for me, the clients and I just didn't click, and that's okay. Chasing a dollar is great and getting the bag is great. But if you don't connect with the project that people are giving to you, no one's telling you that you have to take it on. Mm-hmm. Those are really good. Thank you. Those are, really good. Those are <laughs> universal too. Like you know, like the taking the breaks, um, mm-hmm. trust. Like that's something I've been incorporating. Like even mentally, it's hard. Like, yeah, but even like taking on a project, like I do an outlook now on literally who am I and what do I know? What, what is my tolerance? You know, because yeah, you can mm-hmm. say, oh, I'm going to go to this event. I'm going to go here and do that. It just all sound good when you first look at it, but when you really break it down, do I need to go to sleep though at a certain time because I got to get early at this time to do X, Y, Z? It's like really knowing your ins and outs. Am I going to have time to like eat my breakfast, you know, or get a workout in or, you know, it's like, yeah, like you got to take time for you. Yeah, you really do. You have to really factor because that's actually what keeps you going. So like you said, if you can't pour, really, if you can't pour into yourself, you can't pour into anyone else. And that's period. Yeah. So like that was good. And then, um, the last thing you just said is like universal with taking on clients because, and that's all about being intentional, you know, intentionality is key. Yeah. Cause it's like, honestly, it's people, I don't know, I feel like, that's why I feel like people have to understand, like, it is about who you are at the end of the day. Like, even yep. though the money and stuff will come, but it will, if you're just about the money, it's going to take away from you. So it might sound all good, but if it's not of you, it's going to drain you. It's going to make you know, a certain way. And, like, it's something that, and that's why I'm glad you touched on that, because it's something, again, people don't really, would probably never think of at all until they went go through it so yeah so that was good all right that's Thank a good you. one i hope people write me <laughs> down that's good that's really good um and you give us a bonus tip yeah like you're, you're you're giving them a lot of good keys um yeah so on to the next question i would like to know um how what was your process of like funding your business starting up because I know, like, you're more of a service-based, so that's mm-hmm. a lot, you know, easier than product-based businesses sometimes to start up. So, like, what was your process? Did you go for, like, grants or loans or did you just self-fund? Um, what was your process? Honestly, I have no shame in this. When I first started my business, I did not have much money in my pocket, especially because I was a college graduate, um, college undergrad graduate who – only had enough money to sustain her for probably about, I want to say, two, three weeks because I was on work study. Mm. And I knew that this was something that I really wanted to do. So I took a lot of, if not all of the money I had in my account and Mm. put it towards building a website. Mm. And I knew that I couldn't build websites, so I outsourced somebody. And Mm -hmm. I ended up paying, um, I ended up paying about 400 $50 $50 for the website, which was very good. It is mm-hmm. such a great price for what I have because mm-hmm. I had 
you know, sent emails out to different black women-owned graphic design businesses and was very transparent, like, hey, look, I'm 21 years old. I want to start this business. I don't have the funds. Do you have any packages I could I could use or are there any are there any people you can refer me to or anything that you think I need? And a lot of the people that I connected with, they ended up either giving me a very big discount mm. or they gave it to me for free. Mm. And that in itself was a blessing because I had built such a genuine connection with these people. I wasn't, you know, in their face like, oh, my God, I love what you do. It's like, hey, like, this is me coming to you, like, not just as a fellow entrepreneur, but as a black woman in this business. Like, this this is tough, yeah. and I would love any help that you could possibly get. So there was there was this one business that sponsored my logo. It was it was incredible. Like I had told her my entire story. Like if I find the email, I will be very shocked. But it was one of the very first emails that I sent. Like hey, if this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm trying to do. This is more about me. Mm-hmm. I sent her my resume as I was trying to work for her, and I explained to her I just need a logo. Like, I understand that you charge this much, but what if I give you this much and this much now and this much later? And she said, I love what you do so much and I love your passion so much. I'm just going to design your logo for you for free. Wow. And that's the logo that I have for Gold-Blooded Communications today. It was completely sponsored, completely out the blue, and I still keep in contact with this girl. She's incredible. And then for, I believe for one of my, for my website, yeah, from my website, mm-hmm. I had started a GoFundMe, and I had at least two clients by then. My first two clients were Beja Rodriguez, which is a, who's a former member of the OMG Girls, and mm-hmm. Mulatto, who's like a really mm-hmm. big rapper right now. They were my first two clients. And I was pitching them to all these hip-hop blogs in, um, in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and I had connected with one, one hip-hop blog in particular. Damn, I wish I could remember. Um, but it was like on the on the smaller quantitative uh, quantitative side, mm-hmm. and this person, I guess they just noticed the GoFundMe link in my email address, mm-hmm. and then a few seconds later, after I had sent out this mass pitch email, this is individual pitching, I got an email from GoFundMe saying that my my goal had been reached. Wow. Like, it's impossible. It's impossible. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't send for any money. Like I didn't ask anybody new. And then I got an email from this guy saying that he loves what I do. He loves my tenacity. He loves that I'm so young and so driven. And it was a shock to people as hard as I was working that I was only 21 at the time. Mm-hmm. And he said that he supported my vision. He loved what I was doing. So he just paid off the $400 that we left. Wow. That is beautiful. It's it's incredible, and for me, yeah. it's, it's it's very much a spiritual thing because if something is for you, it mm-hmm. will be for you. Because there were mm-hmm. times where I was like, "Oh my God, no one's ever going to trust me if I don't have a site, if I don't have a logo, mm-hmm. if I don't have an email address." And there were people that didn't even know me from a can of paint on the street, yeah. and they believed in me. Yeah, God sent these people in my life that I would have never thought to foster a relationship with to just help a young 21-year-old straight out of Spelman College that they don't know from mm-hmm. anybody on the street. Mm-hmm. It was, funding was, it was all God, and I don't know if anybody who's listening on this is a Christian or non-denominational or anything like that, but this was all a higher being. Yeah. I honestly want to say that there was 
I would love to say that there was a strategy behind it or there was any type of intention behind it. There wasn't. It was just mm-hmm. me fostering genuine relationships and God. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm telling you, like, that's, no, I'm a firm believer in that. So, like, it's like, um, it's just a matter of faith. Like, and I think, um, you know, it's like not having a faith. People look at that because you like your faith or like your religion, but really like believing, mm-hmm. like the faith that you have in like a higher being or calling, right. or even in like yourself. Because it's like, like you said, you'll attract it. Like, what's for you is for you. You're only one person, so mm-hmm. it's like you're not looking for everyone to support what you're doing because everyone has their mission and purpose. You exactly. know, so the people who are going to come come to help you are going to naturally attract to you. Um, and I want to know, coming from that, um, like what is your inspiration? Um, my inspiration is I want to be the role model that, I don't think that I had growing up and not to say that my mother and my older sister weren't great people. They are, they, they are very much amazing. And I'm very glad that God assigned those people to me. But I know that when I was growing up, I didn't see any woman that looked like me that was doing what I'm doing. Mm. I saw a lot of singers. I saw a lot Mm -hmm. of rappers. I saw a lot Mm -hmm. of, you know, video girls. I saw a lot of this, a lot of that. But I never saw anything that was really, like, more than just cutting the surface. I never saw a black mental health advocate come to my school. Mm. I never saw a black journalist working in hip-hop or R&B or music. I never saw a black entrepreneur. I didn't even know what a publicist was until I got to college. I had no mm. idea what it was. And that's a problem for me. These mm. kids are these these kids probably feel so limited to lawyer or teacher or doctor or singer or rapper and they don't know that there's mm-hmm. literally a career for everything, especially in twenty twenty. There is something mm-hmm. for everybody. And I don't want these mm-hmm. children to be limited, especially as black children, especially as women, especially as anybody who's disenfranchised and underrepresented. I want children to know that there is more out there than just Mm -hmm. those standard careers and knowing that there are people who look like them that are doing it. So my Mm -hmm. inspiration is me being the person for myself that I didn't have when I was younger and in turn being that role model for other kids. Beautiful. I love that. And that's Thank a legacy. You. <laughs> so you already know your like your, your what your full legacy, what you want to live out. That's yeah. beautiful. Agreed. Period. Like just period. So like um, and now it's important to now keep like you said the younger girls seeing that because it's gonna make it even stronger. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna change generations. So um, so yeah, that's beautiful. Thank and, you. Um. Yeah, I love it. And so um, I wanted you to touch on, like, your work as a mental health advocate and um, what that means to you and what actually inspired you to even get into it. I was working at Universal Music Group under Island Records. I was very, very, very just, to say the least, miserable. Mm. I knew that I already had, I already knew that I was suffering from depression and anxiety, but it was flaring up for me because mm-hmm. I was in a job that I was ready to transition out of, but I didn't know how, and I didn't know what was next. I didn't want to disappoint anybody. There was just a lot happening. And mm-hmm. there was an organization that I had fell upon called Silence the Shame, which is created by Shanti Dawes, one of the biggest 
vets in the music industry. I absolutely adore her. Mm -hmm. And I found out that Silence the Shame was coming to Universal Music Group at my job. Two weeks Mm. after I had connected with the communications director, I signed with James, so it was a very small world. Mm. And Shanti sat on a panel with Charlemagne the God, with um, Latrice Burnett, with um, Dave Lighty, with a lot of just well-known people in the music industry that were talking about mental health as it pertains to music. And Mm. what sparked my interest in mental health advocacy was that I watched Shanti sit on this panel and tell her story about her suicide attempts, about her depression, about the fact that she had just lost her sister two days ago before this panel because her sister had committed suicide or completed mm-hmm. suicide, and that she lost her dad to suicide. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so hearing this this powerful woman tell her story and, and cry with us and be human and be so transparent with us, it it was just something that sat in me that said, I, I want to do this. Mm. I want to speak about this too. Mm. Because if her story is touching me and she's filling a room, I wonder how many people feel like me and they feel like they don't have a voice. It happened like so quickly. I was speaking at mm. schools. I was speaking on panels. Podcasts were interviewing me. I also have my blog, I'm Shonda, where I wrote an open letter to my rapist back in college. So mm. being more open about my own journey is what catapulted me into being the advocate that I am today. And I love to tell people I am not a psychologist. I am not a mm-hmm. psychiatrist. I am not mm-hmm. a psychotherapist. I am not a social worker. I'm not of that. What I am is somebody who feels. Mm. I'm somebody who's been there. I'm somebody who's felt this life is over. I've, I'm someone who has felt hopeless. And I just want people to think of me as, you know, the the bestie that they feel like they can't talk to. Nice. The, the bestie that they feel like they, they have when they can't talk to other people, I mean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like they're a cheerleader to let them know that your life is worth it. Exactly. Beautiful. I love that. So I have what I call a rise, shine, and grind song. So it's like a song that I usually play, like if I'm getting up and I'm not in the mood sometimes to get things done or just day-to-day to to get me going. Um, And mine is, I would say primarily now, like it is Diva by Beyonce. Um, I love that song. You say you love it? Yeah. It's just, I don't know what it does. It just makes you feel like, yes, I does this. I am this. (laughs) <laughs> I will always be this. Like, <laughs> I don't know who told you, <laughs> but yeah. But um, that's my song of choice. So I want to know, like, what you would say is your rise, shine, and grind song. Ooh, that's a good one because my my mood definitely fluctuates. Mm-hmm. But I feel like ooh, my song. I have two of them. Mm-hmm. One of them is "No Drama" by Tinashe. Mm, okay. For some reason, that song just like, like, yo, I don't have time for whatever you're doing. I know that I am that chick. I don't want mm. no drama. I don't want no problems. I'm about to pull up. I'm about to kill it. Then I'm going to leave. That's, oh, I never heard that's, that one. <laughs> I love the song No Drama by Tinashe. It's just such mm. a, it's, oh, I love it. And then my second song would probably be Picture Me Rolling by Chris Brown. Picture Me Rolling. Yeah, Picture Me Rolling by Chris Brown. It's 
it's like surface level, like he's talking about, you know, sex and women and blah, blah, blah. But the mm-hmm. way that I view it is like, yo, do you see this whip? Do you see how I'm shining? Yeah. Do you see yeah, how yeah. I look? Like I am, mm-hmm. I am a vibe. So that mm-hmm. for me is like, you see me. Mm-hmm. I'm doing mm-hmm. everything that I'm supposed to do. Like you, you can't hate on me. And if you do, feel free. I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah, but all right. Um, that concludes this interview. This is so good. I'm so <laughs> glad. Thank you. I had such a good time talking to you. Oh, I'm glad. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> I want to make sure people feel like, you know, they got a lot out of it. And I hope our listeners did as well because you dropped a lot of um, keys up in there. And well, thank you. I, Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. I, I feel like you, you just are saying everything that I probably preach. A lot. But <laughs> I love that it's in one interview, to be honest. So um, I want you to let our listeners know, like, how they can learn more about all that you do. I, you can break it down as much as you want um, and how uh, they can just keep up with you or reach out. Absolutely. So my primary website is com. On my social media platforms, it's pretty much the same across everything. Instagram, signed Shonda, S-I-G-N-E-D, Shonda. On Twitter, it's the same thing. My Facebook page is signed, comma, Shonda. I'm the same across everything. The only thing I don't have is a YouTube or a Tumblr, but YouTube is probably coming soon. Mm -hmm. And as far as business, you can find out more about my business and my inquiries at www.gold, G-O-L-D, Blooded, B-L-O-O-D-E-D, com, C-O-M-M, dot com. Okay, awesome. Thank you, Deshonda. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. I hope you learned a great deal from Deshonda and took plenty of notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. To keep up with Rare Maven Media, join our tribe by following us at Rare Maven Media on IG. For now, I want you to ask yourself, how will you leave a legacy for the culture?